We're glad to be sharing the ministry of Tabernacle of Praise with you. Now join us as we receive the Word of God. Good morning, everyone. How's everybody doing? You know, y'all get your hugs in and get your... Before we get started this morning, we've got a special announcement to the church. So, uh, today somebody has a birthday, or is it actually today? Martha, we're, we're not... Happy birthday, happy birthday. Well, happy birthday to you, happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Martha. Hey. Happy birthday to you. And many more. Four, 16 or 17? Okay. <laughs> Scott and I were just talking, and and, and it's hard for us to imagine what a lot of the elder folks in our church have witnessed and seen in their generation in this in this world. Witnessed and seen more happen in their generation than the previous all generations. It's in, you know, that's the kind of people you want to sit down and just talk and talk and talk and talk and talk because of all you've seen and experienced. So if people start calling you all wanting to talk, you'll know what it's about. <laughs> Deuteronomy chapter 8. Deuteronomy chapter 8. Let's talk about something this morning that's real important. We can't forget God. We can't forget God. Deuteronomy Deuteronomy chapter 8. Let's read verses 11 through 20. I'll, would I'll read and you follow along. Is that okay? Beware that thou, that thou forget not the Lord thy God in not keeping His commandments, His judgments, and His statutes, which I command thee this day. Lest when thou hast eaten and art full and hast built goodly houses and dwell therein, and when thy herds and thy flocks multiply, and thy silver and thy gold is multiplied, and all that thou hast is multiplied. God doesn't add anything, does He? God doesn't add to your life. He multiplies to your life. Verse 14 then thine heart be lifted up, and thou forget the Lord thy God. Let me get flipped here. Which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt. Egypt in the Old Testament represents sin to us today. So just, just keep, the, keep that in mind when we're reading this. And I'm going to kind of say things that way. That brought thee out of the land of sin from the house of bondage, who led thee through the great and terrible wilderness, wherein were fiery serpents and scorpions and drought, where there was no water, who brought thee forth water out of the rock of flint, who fed thee in the wilderness with manna, which thy fathers knew not, that he might humble thee, and that he might prove thee to do thee, thee good at uh, thy latter end. And thou said in thine heart, My power and the might of mine hath uh, gotten me th- this wealth. Man, whew, does that not say something about our country? We, we brag a lot about our country. But thou shalt remember the Lord thy God. I, I like the way, for it is he, it is he that giveth uh, the power to get. See, you have power to get wealth. Understand that. You have power to get wealth, but it's he that gives you the power. 
So here in the end, what's the writer doing? Moses is saying, listen, here, here's the whole reasoning behind what you have, what you have. It's he that gives you the power to get wealthy. He that may establish his covenant, which he swear unto thy fathers as into this day. And it shall be, if thou do at all forget the Lord thy God and walk after other gods and serve them and worship them, I testify against you this day that you shall surely perish. As the nation which the Lord destroyeth before you face, so shall you perish, because you would not be obedient unto the voice of the Lord your God. We cannot, man, God, you know, God bless them, and they all the riches in the houses and all, that's God's blessings, and He wants to multiply into your life. He just doesn't want you to forget Him. It's that simple. It's that simple. You want the blessings of God in your life? There, there's not a lot you got to do. Just don't forget God. Just don't forget God. If you do that, he's going to multiply. Moses is directing to the people of God their duty in becoming prosperous. God's not against prosperity, but prosperity is in the hand and will of God, not in ours. There's a lot of prosperity preaching today, and it's all about one thing, money. But there's a lot more to being prosperous than money. God will prosper you in money because it says right here, you're silver. It says it talks about that. God will prosper you that way. But that's not what God's after because prosperity is not about things. Prosperity is about knowing God and, and not forgetting. That's where prosperity is. If, if you don't forget God, he's going to always prosper you. Get what Moses is saying to the people of God here. If you just won't forget God, he's going to keep prospering and keep prospering and keep prospering. He's, he's arming them against this temptation that comes when we prosper. Isn't that weird? We, we, we pray to God to bless us. And when we get the blessing and we get the prosperity, we forget who we prayed to. That is really strange about humanity. It would be advantageous for us as a nation to remember that all of God's gifts come from the pursuance of God's promises. Every good and perfect gift comes from God, and it comes when we pursue His promises. We pursue Him. God's not a candy stick. He, doesn't draw. he comes when we pursue His promises. Many in our nation today seek for the wealth and the prosperity that comes from God, even in the church, people, was, because all prosperity comes from God, but, but they don't want to pursue God's promises. They, they want it in the candy stick style. Just, God, I, I need you to give me, and, and that's, you know, they don't want to do anything to obtain. There's a song that's out now that, to me, it, 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 when I hear it, it's disturbing to me. There's a truth in it, but it's not the whole truth. And in that song, it says, it all comes down to love God and love people. Now, that is the commandment that Jesus gave. Love the Lord thy God with all the heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love thy neighbor as thyself. But in that song, it says that's all you have to do. That's not what Jesus said. That was a command that Jesus gave us. But that's not all because Jesus told us that we are to pursue God, that we are to deny ourselves, that we're to take up our cross and follow him. There are all kinds of things, that, and these aren't works. Listen, taking up your cross this, this is not part of my lesson. Jesus took up the cross, didn't he? What, what happened at the cross? It was horrible. Nailed to it. Stuck with a spear. Crowned of thorns on his head. He had already disfigured and you couldn't really even recognize him the way they had beat him and everything else. And Jesus said, I want you to take up your cross and follow me. Listen, love God and love people is great. We've got it out there. Love God, love people, love truth. That's very much, but understand this. We can go about our daily life and just totally forget God if we don't pursue God. 
You understand that you didn't come to God because you pursued Him, right? Nobody pursues God first. God pursues you, and when you you make that clear choice to answer His pursuance, and then you come into the kingdom, now it's your turn to pursue God. And that's what Moses is saying to the people here. Don't forget God. And how do we not forget God? Well, we pursue God. We go after God. Moses warns them of the fatal consequences when they forget Him. He said to them, you know that army that God just destroyed for you? If you forget God, that's what He's going to do to you. Now, he's pretty straightforward here. He's not cutting any corners. Anyone who follows others in sin is also going to follow them in destruction. If you, there's another song. Man, believe it or not, I've been listening to the radio. There's another song that says that, that if we fall together, we'll rise together. You heard that one? You know how untrue that should be in your life? If someone falls into sin, you shouldn't be falling into sin with them so that you can both rise together. That is a, that, that's, that's what the song is saying. You hadn't heard it? God bless you. Don't listen for it. Because we don't fall in sin with other people so that we can rise together. We understand the pretext behind this and the context behind this and the subject behind this. But understand something. You know, we, that, that's not what we do. If a person's fallen in sin, it's our job to reach and grab them by the hand and help pull them back up together as brothers. Not, but what happens is, is that if we fall and follow after the sinful things, we find that same destruction. So if we in the church do as sinners do, then we should expect to fare as well as sinners fare, right? I mean, ooh, okay, stop. If we in the church do, now we're all sinners. We're just sinners saved by grace. So if we in the church, sinners saved by grace, follow after the sinners not saved by grace, if we do the things that the sinners not saved by grace do, then we should expect to fare if that's our choice, if that's what we do, if that's our choice. Don't expect anything more because we're because at this point you're not in pursuing of God. You're in pursuing. Why do you sin? Don't say because I have to. I was taught that all my life. No, you don't have to sin. You choose it. It's a nature that we have. And because we have that nature, we make a choice. That's why we do it. The devil don't make us do it. God didn't tell us. You know, I was taught as a kid, you have to sin so much every day. Oh, yeah. That, that, that was taught in our church. You have to sin every day. That's just that's who you are. Well, that's not true. That's not true. Is, is there sin? There's, different, there's not different levels of sin, but there's different avenues. In our life, sometimes we, we do things without, and that, that's why I pray God, expose to me the things that I'm doing that, that are not in obedience to you so that I see them. Because I'm, I'm really stupid, God, and there's some things I don't see. Just expose them to me because I, I don't want to be doing them, number one, but I want you to wash them white as snow, get them out. So uh, what should we never forget about God? So we're looking back in Deuteronomy, so we're going to go and remember this. The Old Testament church is the type and shadow of the New Testament church. Let me say that again. The Old Testament church, Israel, is the type and shadow of the New Testament church, Israel. We're called, the church is called Israel in the New Testament, specifically Israel. So that's the Old So we're going to look at the Old Testament church, and we're going to type and shadow it into us so that we don't forget God. So first thing, let's don't forget God's commandments. Well, I thought we just love God and love people. Yes, you love God and you love people. But there are commandments that Jesus gave. We just, all of the law, everything in the Old Testament law is hung on those commandments. 
that Jesus, love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love thy neighbor as thyself. All of the law is in those two right there. So if you want to keep all the Old Testament law, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. You've kept the entire law. So let's go back to the commandments. So most see commandments as demands, don't they? Most of us see it's a command, it's a demand, or it's a rule or an order or an instruction. But here's the thing about the commandments of the Old Testament, and here's the thing about the commands of the New Testament. They are both the same thing. They're actually a pattern of God. The Ten Commandments are a pattern of God. They're a pattern of who God is. What Jesus said and He spoke in His commands, it's a pattern of God. If you, commit, if you keep God's commands, commandments, you are actually repeating the pattern of who God is. They're a pattern of the living. They're a pattern of the living that God exists in. When we follow His commandments, we follow His likeness. So we think of the Ten Commandments and then the other that Jesus gave, and that's, do you know that there was a lot more commandments than Ten Commandments in, in Scripture? There's a lot more commandments in the Old Testament. But the Ten Commandments are those listed on stone. There's a lot more. more so they're a pattern of moral conduct. Look at the command, commandments that Jesus gave us. Look at, look at the old, they're, 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 they're a command of moral, moral conduct. And it's an act of love. God gave us a list of actions because it was an act of love. It wasn't because he was mad at us that he thought we were just so sinful we needed this help. The commands, the law, all of that stuff, was that was an act of love. And today, love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love thy neighbors. That's an act of love. They're designed to help you and me become more like him. That's why we keep the commands of God. We, you know, we probably use, be better to use the word commands than commandments because when we think of commandments, what do you think of? Ten commandments. But there are commands, and commands, they're not, commands are acts of love. You know, I don't understand why God doesn't want me to get sloppy drunk. I don't get that. Well, sure, He doesn't want me to get, He loves me. He knows what will happen to me if I get sloppy drunk. He knows how stupid I'll be. He knows the stupid things I'll say. He knows the accident I'll get in. He knows the people that will beat me up. He knows all the things that will happen to me. It's not because he doesn't want me to be sloppy drunk. He doesn't want me to be sloppy drunk. But there's a reasoning behind it. It's just like sin in your life. God disdains sin, but it's not about the sin. It's not about the what. It's about the why. It's about the why. When God eliminates in your life the why, the what goes away. The what goes away. And it's the same thing with understanding the commands. The commands are commands of love, and they're to eliminate the what's in our life that cause us issues and problems. When you dig deep enough to discover the reason for His commands, then you understand a love relationship. When you look into His commands, you understand... Do you? Anybody been to a wedding? Well, if you're married, you've been to one. You've been to a wedding. What, what do you do at a wedding? You exchange. You know you're exchanging commands, right? You, you understand you exchange commands. The, we call them vows, but those were commands. You made a covenant, an agreement. That's what that is. And that's what commands are in Scripture. Commands aren't just God's suggestions to you of what you, He thinks you might ought to do to be good. Their covenant with you. He has a part in it. You have a part in it. 
That's what commands of God are. And when you dig into that and understand that, you begin to understand this love relationship that God has. He loves you. The Scripture says it this way. He's so jealous of you. You ever been jealous of a person? Not, not a, a person that maybe you had a girlfriend and this guy liked your girlfriend and so you were jealous over him. You were jealous over her. You didn't want anybody looking at her. You didn't want anybody talking to her. You didn't want anybody doing anything, dancing with her. You didn't want any of that. You are so jealous. God is so jealous of you. He doesn't want anybody looking at you. He doesn't want the devil looking at you. He doesn't want other devils looking at you. He, God is so jealous over you. He doesn't want anybody touching your life. It disdains him that the devil touches your life. When the devil comes into your life and tempts you, it angers God because he's jealous over you. That's the love relationship that God has with you. Now, let me ask you a question. <laughs> Do I have the same jealousy for God? that he has for me. That's when you understand the love relationship. There is no other God. And when another God shows up, it angers me. When some other God comes into place, that makes me mad. I'm not talking about a statue. and I'm not, There are belief systems that are gods. There, there are fun things that are gods. There are people that are gods. You sh- we should have that same love relationship, that same jealousy, that God has for us. That's what he's after. Jesus summarized those, all the commands in, in the Old Testament. He summarized that, and I won't repeat it again. It's Matthew 22. So, so we, can't, we can't forget God's commands. That's number one. God has commands because he loves us. That's why he gives us those. Those are not rules. A lot of us came from the old church that everything was a rule. If you didn't follow this rule, you were in trouble with God. I've told the story before. I'll tell it again. My, my, both my parents are passed away, but... Uh, my parents were good friends, that lifelong friends with, with some apostolic Pentecostal people. And what really, my dad would, would talk with them about their doctrines. We were Baptist kids. They were Baptist parents. And they would talk in this doctrine. But what got under my dad's crawl so much wasn't the doctrines of baptism or Holy Ghost, anything like that. But, but the guy that was apostolic Pentecostal would come one week and say, you know, I'm lost this week. I, I drank a beer. I'm lost. And the next week he'd come and say, you know, I'm saved now, Wayne, because I, you know, I repented to God. And the next week he'd say, well, I'm lost again because I cursed. Lost and saved, lost and saved, lost and saved. My dad couldn't understand that. And I understand why he couldn't understand that. That's, that's not God. That, that's not our relationship. That's not. But we, we can't understand that God's commands are commands of love. They're not rules. They're not, does God set into place things that we should and shouldn't do? Because he loves us. If you love your child, you're going to tell them to stay out of the middle of the road. Why? Because if you don't, they're going to run out. Kids are two-year-olds are two-year-olds. They don't know any better. They're going to run out in the middle of the road and get run over. If you love them, you're going to stop that. So and so. All right. Never forget God's judgments. Listen, at any point, if you have a comment, just raise your hand. Remember, this is open. Can't forget God's judgments. This is the part we, that we really, in America, have totally lost concept of. Uh, is, is the judgment of God an outdated concept? That's my question to you. Is God's judgment an outdated concept? Because it seems to be in America. The judgment of We, we, we really don't hear about judgments anymore. It's not, we don't preach about it. We don't teach about it. Most of the preaching today that you find in pulpits is based on living your best now and getting all you can get for the blessings as possible and has very little to do without preparing for the next, what's really coming, and that's eternity. You understand that what we're doing here is preparing or practicing for eternity. We're getting ready for eternity. 
We're getting our lives in shape for eternity. We're finding the will of God for eternity. We're living in His kingdom. God set a kingdom in here uh, so that we could prepare for eternity. That's what the kingdom of God is about. It's not me to drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. It's preparation for eternity. But what we, we don't hear about judgment. Because you know why we don't hear about judgment? You know why pastors don't preach about judgment? Anybody want to take a shot? Church would be empty? It's worse than that. Say again? They'd quit tithing. It's worse than that. Pastors don't preach about judgment. Huh? Come shut them down? Worse than that. Bingo! The pastors are the worst. Pastors don't want to be judged. I'm speaking as a pastor, just being honest, being transparent. It, it, those other things take place, and a lot of preachers won't say things because they're afraid the tithe's going to leave. They're afraid these people are going to leave. They're afraid the house is going to empty, all of those things. Yeah, who, who would you read? What, what are they? I, who, who should I be afraid of, man or God? Let me think for a second. Man or God? Let me think for a second. I'm th- my thinking's over. You surely should really be afraid of not doing the right thing with truth. It was your wife, Bruce. <laughs> Bruce thought I was pointing at him. I was pointing at you. Yeah, you know, <clears throat> there's probably a lot of us 20, 30, 40, 50. Here, here's the thing. All throughout Scripture, every, every dispensation of time, and there were seven in Scripture, we're living in the sixth, every dispensation ended in judgment. Not a single one didn't. And the last one will end in judgment as well. That's the one judgment you don't want to be at. The last dispensation, the thousand years is over. Uh, the devil's cast into the pit, all of that. And then there's the white throne judgment. That's not a place you want to be. But God's judgments are real. And we, we have to, you know, I'm, I'm a firm believer. Listen, I don't want to be, I'll, I'll use Austin's term. I don't want to be De- Debbie Downer on, on being God's goodness. God, God is good to his people. It's his delight to be good to us and to do those things. But he doesn't want us to forget that he's a God that has judgment. Now, for you and I, our judgment hung on the cross. The beauty of the age of grace, the church age, is our judgment hung on the cross. He took our judgment, our sin. Oh, that, that's the beauty of that. It's unlike any other dispensation in Scripture. 
Grace is like any other. There's nothing else like it because the judgment is someone else took the judgment. That was Jesus Christ. So, so the idea, listen, of an all-knowing, all-powerful God that will ultimately judge all of humanity, that's a concept that we as a nation have just moved past. We have not always been like this. There was a time in our nation when our leaders, when our, when our government leaders, our state leaders, our, our city leaders, our home leaders, when our, our fathers, you know, we, were, we knew that there were the judgments of God. And so now here's about the only thing you hear from the critics of Christianity today is that God is very wrathful in his judgment. God is very wrathful in his judgment. You know what? There was no wrath of judgment at the cross on me. I absorbed no wrath from God at the cross. He absorbed all of it. There was no anger or hate. He absorbed every bit of it at the cross. So I had, when my critics, when I, and I do have these conversations with people, and they'll say, you know, the God you serve is just mean and wrathful. If, if he was really loving, all of this wouldn't be happening. And so I said, well, so you're saying that God's judging everybody and doing this stuff. Yeah, and I said, and I said listen, no, God took all of this. Man's perpetrating it on himself. When Jesus took it away, man's putting it back in their life. That's the problem. And a lot of times that shuts the conversation down because it's something people don't think about. Something that God covered, we're pulling back up. Boy, that's a no-no. That's a no-no in Scripture. And, but that's what you hear from critics of Christianity. After all, would a loving, caring God pass judgment on someone? I'm going to ask you that question. Would a loving, caring God pass judgment on someone? Think, would a loving God punish someone? If he's a loving God, would he punish one? Let me ask you, do you feel like you're loving? Let me back up. Who in here has children? Did you love them? Did you punish them? Why? Because you, no, 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 no. You didn't punish them. God doesn't punish you because you do wrong. He punishes you because he loves you. The Bible says that whom God loves, he ch- Ah, see, we, get, we got a concept in America that's thrown us way off base. There's no punishment going on because God's mad and he's doing it. He loves us. That's why, that's why. And when we understand that concept, then we understand the judgment of God because judgment from God is a judgment of love. God could no longer sustain or let sin be sustained for seven generations. All the world was evil. He could no longer do that, so he flooded the earth. But he didn't do that out of anger. He, the Bible says he repented that he had made man, but it wasn't out of anger. You don't apologize for that. No, Okay. What? Yeah. Right. You understand. You understand later as you mature why they did what they did. They didn't want you to become a bad person. They didn't want you to have wrong concepts. That's why they had punishments, and that's why, man, my dad was a believer in the belt. Man, whoo. My brother's got one a week. I got one every day, and I'm not exaggerating. And I, I got it because I deserved it. 
I was pushing the limit, pushing the envelope. <laughs> yeah, because that's, that's just how, you know, what? because you love them. Because later you understood that process that it brought you to a higher. But when you're young, and see, that's the problem in, with a lot of people in Christianity even. People outside the church can't understand God's punishment and God's judgment. They can't understand it at all. But even Christians, when they're young, and you can tell a young Christian or an immature Christian, and that's not about your physical age. It's by your spiritual age. You can tell a young Christian because they, when God says, I'm punishing you, and he's making sure you're asking why, and I can't believe you're doing this, and I can't believe God would let this happen to me. That's the sign of an immature Christian. You understand when God's chastising you, when you become mature, listen, my dad didn't stop. My mom stopped whipping me when I was six because I laughed. The biggest mistake I ever made in my life because my dad, (laughs) he made it count. And he didn't stop whipping me until we got out. I left home. I left home at 18. Right. I wouldn't. I wouldn't change one, one iota. I wouldn't want any more of it. But I would one iota. Let's see if I can put this in a perspective that's easy for us to understand. Imagine a society where police caught every criminal. Every single criminal was caught. But after every single criminal was caught, the justice system for every single criminal every single time gave them no punishment. What kind of society would we be in? Does that sound like a fair and just society? What Would you live in a society where we arrested a murderer and took him to have justice and the judge said, oh, you can go. But isn't there a judge? No, 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 you can go. Huh? Yeah. Would you live in that society? No, 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 no. You understand there's a reason that God has judgment. There's love involved. There's love involved. It's not about anger. It's not about you didn't follow the rule. It's about love. Our justice system is far from perfect in this country. Trust me. But at least we're attempting to catch criminals and bring them to justice. Imagine if we weren't even doing this, what what it would be like. Here's the sad thing. A large number of Christians in America believe that that's how God operates. Catches you in sin, but lets you go. There's a lot of Christians that believe that you you you're, you're caught in your don't don't believe you fool God you you never fool God he always c- catches you in your sin, but a lot of Christians today because it's the way it's been coming over the pulpit believe that well God's a loving God, God God's and so God's not going to punish me or God's not going to none of that's going to happen God's just going to let me go to go about my way no God loves you more than that, He's not going to let you get away with that 
And it's not because you, you've crossed his line or angered him. He loves you. He doesn't want you to go that direction. Man, listen. Y'all get a giggle here. If God was that way, Pastor Don would turn it over to Brian right now so Brian could be speaking something while Pastor Don was out stealing every one of your cars. If that's the way it was, don't think I wouldn't be doing it. If there was no punishment, their judgment, no, don't think, listen, it's, it's all gold. It's all gravy. Yeah, because I can sell them about as fast as I can steal them. Matter of fact, most of them were already sold. Just had to get them. That's God loves, but God doesn't want me doing that. Why is that? Because first of all, he doesn't want me to, thou shalt not steal. But second of all, he doesn't want me to steal from you. He loves you. He gave to you. Who am I to be taking from you what God gave you? Yeah. Oh, that's, that, that deserves repeating. If, say it again, Terry. Say it again. I need, need to be concerned. If God is not chastising me in the areas I need to be chastised in, because I, let's face it, Pastor Don's not where he needs to be yet. I'm still working my way like you. We're still going through Scripture. We're still praying. We're still asking God for all of those things because we're, we're making our way through the kingdom. And if God doesn't chastise me and bring me into those places, you know, when we say chastise, we all think of belt, most of us, because we came from that old paradigm. Most of us are old enough here that that's what our parents did. But, but the new generation doesn't do that. Chastisement in the new generation means you go sit in a corner. Or you, no, 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 X, not, it's not Xbox. What's the, okay, y'all know where I'm at. <laughs> it's no Xbox for an hour. Whatever that, okay. I'm going to get off that because y'all, I'm telling my age. What is it? Take the phone. That's the killer. You can't have your phone today and in an hour they got it anyway. Well, you little rascal. That's, that's our chastisement. I'm glad God doesn't chastise me that way. He loves me more than that. 2 Timothy 4 and 1, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead. The word quick is alive. The quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. You know, Jesus is coming with judgment. One of the beauties of being a Christian is we get to be at the judgment seat of Christ. That's a great deal. That's, uh, that's fabulous. 1 Peter 4 and 5. Who shall give account to him that is ready to judge the quick and the dead? Remember God's judgments in the past? Do you remember any Old Testament judgments? Anybody? Somebody throw me an Old Testament judgment. There's, these are easy. David. David was so concerned. He said, God, take my crown, take my kingdom, take everything I got. Don't take your spirit. Don't take your love. Another judgment in the Old Testament. Starts with an F, ends with a D. There's two O's in the middle, and there's an L in there. Flood. That was a judgment. Sodom and Gomorrah. That was a judgment. Oh, man. Bingo. I mean, ju the judgment of God are in the Old Testament is a type and shadow of the New Testament. So can you think of any judgments you've read about in the New Testament? There's one big one. It's all about what the New Testament is. 
Okay, the biggest judgment's right on the cross. But there were other judgments that happened. And Sapphira, you don't lie to the Holy Ghost. Judgment. On and on. So, say again. Yeah, doubt, judgment. Jesus spoke of judgment quite a bit. See, when we talk about judgment, we're a little, get that bad feeling. Right now, or I'll lock you up. And pass judgment on him. So we have to understand, we can't forget God's judgment. Understanding that he judges because he loves, not because he's angry. He judges because he loves. We can't forget God's statutes. Old Testament law was set up as a covenant between God and his people. It wasn't a set of rules. It was a covenant. A covenant is not a set of rules. The Old Testament law was an Old Testament covenant. The New Testament, there is the Old Testament law, and the New Testament law is the law of Christ Jesus. You ever read that? Ah, you might ought to look in your Bible because there is the law of Christ Jesus. It's the new covenant. Law doesn't mean a set of rules. It's covenant. Or totally. You're digging in that dirt, and you're planting that seed. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's your own stupidity. Yeah. 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 
Yeah. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah. The only thing that eradicates evil is good. It's the only thing that eradicates it. So the law is covenant. The, the covenant of God consists of conditional and unconditional aspects. Any covenant that God makes with you or you make with God has conditional and unconditional aspects in it. God has his part and you have your part. There's, the problem in a lot of Christianity today is we believe God has his part. And we believe God has his part. What's our part? Well, no, God has his part. We have our part in the covenant of God. God set the covenant, and a covenant is simply an agreement that two or more people make together, and each party has a responsibility. That's what a covenant means. Two or more people come together in an agreement with something. Everyone has a responsibility in this agreement. That's what a covenant means. In Genesis 17, God originally had his covenant with Abraham. If you look at the covenant, there were some, there were some unconditional things and there were conditional things. Uh, God keeps his part if we keep our part. You understand God's not obligated to keep his part in a covenant if you don't keep your part. You understand that if God doesn't keep his part in a covenant, you're not obligated. Here's the deal. God never fails in his part of the covenant. Never. And so it rests on us to just keep our part of the covenant. This is an agreement. This is not about rules. We need to get, a lot of us came from that old paradigm of you got to keep this rule, keep that rule. Nope. Since the law then was fulfilled in Jesus Christ, our part of the covenant is what? To obey and follow the teachings of Jesus Christ. That's your part, my part of the covenant. That's all God's asking you and I to do. That's what he's asking us to do. That's why it's called the law of Jesus Christ, the law of Christ Jesus. Romans 6 tells us the wages of sin is death, right? Failing to keep a covenant brings... Sin always has a consequence. Don't Never forget. Consequences of forgetting God, Moses said, is certain destruction. The consequences of forgetting God, he said, make no mistake about it. You're going to perish, just like that army that you just saw. It's amazing how God will present something in front of you so you can see the full aspect of it, know what it's like, see the experience without experiencing it, and then say, listen, be with me so that you don't experience that same. There's nothing like seeing something happen. Y'all can tell me a story about something that happens, and it's fun to listen to your story, but if I see it, it's different because I'm, I'm now a, a participator, an experiencer. I'm now getting it full and that's what God did. He let them see things. But he said, listen, if you forget me, the same thing is going to happen. As a nation, as a people, as a person, if I forget God, if we as a nation forget God, if we as a world forget God, we're in for certain destruction. Here is the sad thing about Scripture. It tells us the world in the end forgets God because he destroys it. He destroys it. Consequences always reflect, uh, and, and I've got one minute. Consequences always reflect the action a person or nation has taken. Consequences, Jesse said it, often are 
Oftentimes, we look at consequences as God's judgment against us. God's judgment against us. When, in fact, consequences are actually a reflection of the action that I have taken in my life. Consequences aren't always bad. If you take good action in your life and follow God and not forget God, there are some good, great, fabulous consequences. If you forget God, there's some terrible consequences. But consequences are the picture or result of the actions that I have taken, not the judgment God has taken. We cannot forget that He's our Creator. We can't forget He's our Savior. He's our Redeemer. He's our Sustainer. He holds everything in our lives. And listen, our, I'm going to end with this. Our nation is in a balance. We, we, we've said this for years. I mean, I, I can remember when I first got into the church. Our nation is in a balance there. We're in, we're in a crux. The, 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 next election, the next election is always the ending one. Have you ever, y'all been around long enough to catch that? This election is going to be the end of America. And in four years, this election is going to be the end of America. There's no election going to be the end of America. The Scripture says God puts into place kings. Every person that's in the place of power and authority in this world is put there by God. They may not be godly, but God has them there to to promote His purpose. The thing that God has already willed, has already seen, has already logos, the forever settled Word of God, it's already been spoken. Everything that's going to happen has already been spoken of God. There's not anything new coming up. So God puts the, so whoever wins this election, I'm not telling you not to go vote. That's your responsibility. It's your response, not your privilege. It's your responsibility to go vote. But whoever God puts there, what you've got to do is pray for them that God uses them. Do I agree with everything our president says and does? Do I believe God's put him in there for a reason? Because God put him in there for a reason, not because of who he is, in spite of who he is. In spite of who I am, God's put me as pastor here. Y'all get that? You might ought to get it. Yeah. See, my wife gets it. She's around me every day. In spite of who I am, God's put me here as pastor. Why? He needs to perform his work and his will and his purpose here. And so I'm the, you know what? There'll come a time when God says, It's time for you to move out. And I need I need to be mature and spiritual enough to say, Yes, Lord. It's someone else's turn. Our nation's in up. Don't forget God. Don't forget our prayer time. Don't forget your Bible study. Listen, when you forget to pray and you forget to study and you forget to interact with God, you are forgetting God. If you don't have a day, daily part of your day that you don't just pray to God, that doesn't mean you go find a place. You can do this. It doesn't mean you have to find a place and go kneel and close your eyes and uh, kumbaya. That doesn't. It means you can be driving to the next place. You can be driving from home to work, from home to the store, going to pick up the kids, whatever, and say, Lord, i got some time here, and I'm going to spend it with you on my way. That's prayer time. Bible study. Man, you know, taking, uh, it's better for you to take three verses and study them than to read 25 of them and not remember a thing. Mm-hmm. Study to show thyself, not memorize to show thyself approved and read to show thyself approved. Study to show thyself approved unto God, not anybody else. So we're, we're approaching, we're fastly approaching the coming of the Lord. I told somebody yesterday, matter of fact, y'all heard me talk about him, Bo, he's, he's good, he called me yesterday. Uh, I said, man, I, I really feel like it's, it's us. Every generation says that, don't they? 
<laughs> Every generation says, they like it's us. You know, that's what Peter and John and Timothy and all this guy, Paul, they always say, it's us. It's, he's coming. It's us. We're all saying it. We need to keep saying it. It's us. It's us because we need to be ready. Let's not forget God. Let's not forget God. Anybody have any? God bless you. I went three minutes over. Let's take a little time before worship service. For more information about Tabernacle of Praise, look us up online at tabernaclepraise.org. We want to hear from you, so be sure to connect with our Facebook page. We also have a free app that you can use to keep up with events or be notified of bad weather, and you can listen to our sermons directly from the app. Thank you for listening, and have a blessed day.